Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this week's episode. In the red corner... We're talking about the most successful Australian movie in the history of cinema. As modern-day Aussie folk hero, the charming, knife-carrying Michael J. Dundee leaves behind both the outback and his hobby of murdering reptiles to experience the Big Apple from 1986. It's Crocodile Dundee. He was raised in the land down under, where a man thinks on his feet, speaks with his fists and lives by his wits. A legendary figure about to encounter a world more treacherous than any he has ever known. This your first trip to New York? First trip anywhere. While in the blue corner, we're back in New York, but this time we're in the company of Prince Akeem of Zamunda, who has got some right royal reservations about his arranged marriage. Will he find his queen-to-be in NYC? Watch as Eddie Murphy plays 247 different characters in 1988's Coming to America. Once upon a time, in a faraway kingdom, lived a handsome prince and engaged by royal decree. Why? Why can't I find my own wife? We've gone to a great deal of trouble to select for you a very fine wife. I want a woman that's going to arouse my intellect as well as my loins. Where will you find such a woman? In America. So he traveled across the sea to the land of opportunity. So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Good day, Clash Potters. This show normally takes an hour, but today it'll probably take two on account of Vicky being a <laughs> Sheila. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Sheila. <laughs> I'm Chris Tilly. <laughs> uh, 
you both doing? I feel better now. That was fun. That was a good start. Yeah, um, yeah no, I'm fine. I'll tell you what I've noticed this week. So let's do some small talk, though, because I know Chris hates it, um, mm. which makes me like it more. So I have noticed this week, the minute the temperature goes up above, like, eight degrees, I am a much easier person to live with. Don't you agree? <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking for uh let me just count it up here uh, less than three minutes um am i allowed to wait and see <laughs> yeah, yes yeah i suppose maybe it's overcast yeah. where you are it's beautiful in lewisham beautiful such a good mood I'm, i didn't expect you to be this chipper after the water tank disaster oh, it's been man. a hell of a week it really yeah. has it's just mm. out the whole the, the, the house is just in ruins it's ludicrous and also i had to ring loads of plumbers and that is not my strong suit they, that, i mean it was just it was uh yeah it was not very graceful for anybody now you know i always like to look like the smartest person in the room which is i constantly fail at but i, I give it a shot every time I, i'm willing to admit uh, this week i do not know what a i want to say soap sponge is <laughs> Are you that you about- <laughs> You messaged me a sugar soap. Sorry, sugar See, soap. A, a sugar yeah. soap. Yeah. What? What is sugar soap? Sugar soap is a solution that washes filth off your walls and like blue right. tack and dirt and whatever else. So all I did in response to like the whole house actually falling apart, like the chimneys falling down, was I was like, I'll buy some sugar soap and wash a bit of dust off the walls. <laughs> but then I didn't even do that. So then I bought a sponge. I forgot to buy a sponge. I bought a sponge. I was like, great, I've done something. And then just sat back and just watched everything just pile up around me and turn to shit but i've bought the sugar soap that's the important thing i am taking back control um yeah and and then so your message is accurate because i haven't i haven't got mine yeah i've ordered it and and does it really (laughs) does it really make you feel like a god because that's the that's what your message says sort of like this sort of omnipotence yeah, because it's not washing yep. up liquid. No, no, no. And mm. it's not just water. No, it's sugar soap. It's different. Right. Looking for. I literally can't wait for it to arrive. Never had any before. Sugar soap. <laughs> uh, Chris, how are you? Yeah, good. Just checking my emails, you know. Getting <laughs> <laughs> shit done. Right. Cool, cool, cool. Let's crack on then. Uh, right, this week's clash. Crocodile Dundee versus Coming to America, or as we're calling it, New York New York. These were Victoria's choices. Why? Uh, can I throw that over to my boss and your boss, Chris Tilly? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, let's let's just go to New York. Also, the real answer is coming to America is available on Amazon Prime on the 5th of March. So Chris thought it would be a good idea <laughs> to um, to revisit these films. However, because um, he, loves, he loves an anniversary, doesn't he? But he does. I have wanted to talk about Crocodile Dundee since we started this podcast because it's one of those you know i was talking about my granddad had like seven vhs tapes and so we just watched those all the time mm. so crocodile mm. dundee was in that mix so i've seen it a lot can i ask vicky what else is on that list uh so that we know for future yeah. reference <laughs> oh, <my> uh, <laughs> excellent i feel i feel what we're reaching saturation yeah, on this yeah. list now this yeah. is about the seventh time you've used this story yeah yep yeah. um we are reaching the end. Crocodile Dundee, Home Alone, The Golden Child, Inner Space. And then, God, I can't, I'm struggling to remember the others, but I'll let you know. Oh, we're doing well then. Yeah. Well, well, I'm sure they'll come up. It sounds like your seven videos are pretty much the essence of this show. <laughs> um, right then. Uh, the clue you gave on last week's show, Victoria, was? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> Sorry. She's professional. Excellent. 
Um, something God, something about it? Buy, buy, buying love. If you, it's it's not, if you can find love there, you can find it anywhere. No, if you can impress a girl here, you can impress a girl anywhere. Thanks, computer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay, then Chris followed that up on Twitter with. Uh, yeah, I'm just checking. Oh, here we go. Oh, here, here we, we go. go. Both oh, films yes. are fish out of water stories, apart from when our hero is in the bath. Right. Uh, now, the mention of fish and water uh, was taken quite literally. Uh, guess us on Twitter. We are at ClashPod. Also on Instagram, at ClashPod. Uh, Mark Mead, Jimmy, Gary Bailey, Johnny Tightlips, Anthony M. Rose, Stackhouse and Gemma Page all went for Splash versus The Shape of Water. Uh, the only right answer this week came from Paul Logue, who said, obviously, Crocodile Dundee versus Coming to America... You have our respect, Paul. Uh, very quick mention for my favourite guest this week, uh, which came in from There's Something About Jamie. I'm assuming it's a joke, in which case it's very funny. It might not be. Aquaman versus Waterworld. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> but, but do you not think Waterworld should go with Fury Road, God, Chris? no. <laughs> right. Fish boy. Uh, connections. Connections, then. Uh, what have we got? Fish out of water uh, stories. Got, uh, yeah, fish out of water stories. I've got, hey, women, do you want a job? You should work for your dad. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, dickhead boyfriends. Yeah, rich boyfriends movies. are the fucking worst. <laughs> Proper dickheads. Proper dickheads. Uh, the subway climax. Yep. Who uh... mm-hmm. uh, um, are? Men in drag. Rich dads showing off about their houses. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Keeps the rain off our heads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, v, what's the actual connection? It's, um, let's hear it for New York, concrete jungle where dreams are made of, knives and knockoff fast food restaurants. There you go. <laughs> That's lovely. Thanks. That's our second use of uh, New York-based lyrics in the yeah. show to define the connection. <laughs> yeah. Right. Chris has taken us on a trip round NYC on Thursday, but I'll be your guide today as we decide if there's more to this film than the line, that's not a knife, this is a knife. Let me take you on a journey. After hearing about a man having his leg bitten off by a crocodile in the Australian outback, a reporter called Sue, who works for a newspaper based in New York, decides this is the story for her readers, who again are in New York. Upon arriving in the outback, it turns out the story was a lie. Weirdly, discovering this somehow doesn't deter our intrepid reporter, who, having never seen Wolf Creek, ventures into the outback anyway with a man she's just met. Thankfully, Mick Crocodile Dundee is a right old charmer who has never met a reptile he didn't want to kill. And as he murders his way through a smorgasbord of Australia's wildlife, Sue can't help but fall for him. She then drags Big Mick back to New York so he can hang out with her boyfriend, Richard. At which point you're left wondering who she's going to end up with. Or at least we would, if Richard wasn't such a massive tool, he somehow makes Mick, a man who literally lives in the desert punching snakes for fun, looks like the best guy on the planet. The end. Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration, a crocodile Dundee. Histories with this movie 
I'll, I shall be on and off attempting an Australian accent throughout <laughs> this episode of the show. Oh, uh, great. Get used to it. Oh, yeah. Didn't you issue an oh, apology yeah. first? <laughs> <laughs> this this show will be incredibly offensive to many Australians. Oh, uh, so uh, Many? Hello. So confident, many. All. <laughs> <laughs> hello to our friends down under. Uh, we're uh, we're going to be talking about your folk hero, Mick Crocodile Dundee. I'll, I'll be honest, I think I know Vicky's history with this film. Yes, I think you do. <laughs> yeah. Let's do yours, Chris. Uh, well, I just remember Paul Hogan seemed to be everywhere when I was a kid, when we were kids. He, he seemed to be, he was not only on all the talk shows, he was also in all the adverts in between. So it felt like he was ever present. And my memory of this film is it is there just being a wall of Crocodile Dundee videos in the local video store. I don't think I've ever seen that many copies of one film ever stocked in my local video store, apart from maybe Back to the Future, because this was obviously such a huge movie that they, uh, I guess they decided would appeal to absolutely everyone. I just remember sort of 40 copies of it taking up the, the wall in there. So, yeah, I watched it when I was a kid and probably got about 75% of the jokes. <laughs> it's it's a weird <laughs> film for a kid to watch in, in some moments, but you're using jokes in a very generous sense there, mm. a very generous sense. Uh, yeah, first time I, I like you saw it on the video shelf by a local um, my local video store, Barker's Video on Street Lane in Leeds. Once again, massive respect to my hometown for having a road called Street Lane. Um, <laughs> I rented it uh, with a friend of mine. So we were allowed, it was the first VHS I ever rented. We were allowed one each. I picked uh, the best movie in the Alien franchise, Aliens, and he picked uh, Crocodile Dundee. And so we watched them back to back. And uh, then my mum got a right telling off from his mum for letting him watch an 18 rated movie because he couldn't sleep, the baby. But... uh, All I remember about Crocodile Dundee was looking at the cover going, cool, it's going to be like Indiana Jones and then it not being like Indiana Jones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that happened to me with uh, Blade Runner when I thought it was a new Star Wars film. And it was oh, not. Dear. It was definitely not a new Star Wars film. And, and five, <laughs> five-year-old me was very scared and confused. Because <laughs> you don't, you don't like a bit of horror when you were a kid. How did you, how did you uh, react when Tyrell got his eyes pushed into his skull? I mean, the whole thing was very upsetting. I, it's just, I, I, mm. why is Han Solo acting like this? All <laughs> <laughs> um, right, let's do a little bit of trivia. You've already touched on this, Chris. Um, I guess we should start with Paul Hogan or Hogs. I couldn't find out whether that was a nickname he'd been given or he'd given himself, <laughs> uh, but I've given him the benefit of the doubt uh, that he was given it. It's definitely Although what I everyone find... in Australia calls him, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's his thing. It's his brand. Hogs. 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 Um, I did find an interview uh, where he refers to himself in the third person. So I'm I'm not actually convinced he didn't give himself his own nickname, but you you, you never know. Uh, He was a construction worker on the Sydney Harbour Bridge whose big break came when he was 30 years old and he went on a talent show in America called New Faces, which uh, was famous for its mean judges. So this is sort of the 70s he does this. Uh, He claimed he was going to be a tap dancing knife thrower to get on the show comes on in tap shoes and knives and then just proceeds to take the piss out of the judges for five minutes and then chucks the knives on the floor and does a tap step. And people fucking loved it. They were like, this is great. He was invited back. And that's how he gets his big break. 
you know, flash forward a few years, got his own TV show, The Paul Hogan Show, which apparently was on here in the UK on Channel 4, but I do not remember. It's too young. Chris? Uh, no, I don't remember it if it was on here, but I did watch a bunch of clips in preparation for this. And I would say uh, the companion, the English companion show would be Benny Hill. It seemed very similar <laughs> for humour in terms of sort of speeded up, slowed down, lots of jokes about Sheila's with big boobs, basically. Oh, well, as you said as well, we got alongside his show, uh, the Foster's Lager commercials, the Winfield Cigarettes commercials, and he was also the face of Australian tourism. But Crocodile Dundee is the movie that basically turned him into the actual face of an entire nation for, what, like 30 years? I mean, I genuinely think if you ask people, if you went quickly, on the spot, name the most famous Australian, there's, I'd say a 70% chance Crocodile Dundee would come up. Like He is like, uh, like this, he, he sort of transcended film to become the mascot of the country, right? Yeah, and and in terms of those uh, those tourism board ads, that was all part of a, a, a plan that he and his producing buddy had to launch him in America, because I don't think they even I think they even agreed to not get paid that much as long as extra extra ads were put on during prime time in the states, so they could introduce him as a character as a man in the build up to them making Crocodile Dundee and trying to you know have a hit in America. So it was all very pre planned, and I, it worked. Yeah, uh, he, um, yeah, I mean, after this movie, uh, US interest in holidaying in Australia went uh, through the roof. But where there's a dispute is whether there was a real life inspiration for this character, Crocodile Dundee, because Paul Hogan uh, has said outright that there isn't and that he came up with the idea on his first trip to New York. He said, I felt like an alien from another planet. There's a myth that there's a real Crocodile Dundee, but there isn't. a lot of people, however, believe it's based on this guy, this real-life Bushman called Rod Ansell, who became famous in Australia in the early 80s uh, after he got trapped on an island at the mouth of a crocodile-infested river in the outback and basically survived on his wits. And he came on Parkinson in the UK, and he tells this story on Parkinson about how that the BBC have put him up in a five-star hotel, but he prefers to sleep on the floor in his sleeping bag. And so people are like, okay, this is before... Crocodile Dundee. So that convinces a lot of people that Crocodile Dundee is based on him. It convinces this Rod Ansel guy uh, that it's based on him. He tries to get money from the filmmakers unsuccessfully, and then his story kind of ends pretty tragically. I say kind of, it does. Uh, He got into drugs and depression and eventually died in a shootout with police in 1999 after killing an officer. Um, In 2001, Paul Hogan said about this, the media in Australia determined that he was the one I had based the character on. It didn't matter that I had never met him or talked to him. Uh, He killed a cop. I thought, how much proof do you want that he is not the real Crocodile Dundee? So as late as 2001, uh, Mr. Paul Hogan is still going, it's not based on him. Back to the movie then. As Chris said, Paul Hogan basically, these are his words, wanted to make a massively accessible mainstream movie that would play well around the world, but mainly in America. Uh, He writes the script with his writers from his TV show, gets a budget of $7 million together from about like 1,400 different investors, including Inexcess's Michael Hutchins. Um, Isn't that, it's a little bit like George Miller because George Miller and Paul Hogan, both wanted money from the Australian film industry, but the body didn't want to fund a film like Mad Max or like Crocodile Dundee. They only wanted to fund art house movies. 
And so a bit like Miller, but more so, he raised the funds himself. So it's interesting that Australia's two biggest exports had to be self-funded because the AFI had no interest in them. Yeah, and the, the Australian Actors Union, um, I forget what it's called, they were they were even like, you can't have Linda Kozlovsky playing uh, Sue in this. It has to be an Australian actress. We have to support our own talent here. Um, so it took a lot of persuasion to get an American actress to play a New Yorker in an Australian <laughs> film. Um Hogan said he expected it would make millions of dollars around the world and that on planning for it to be Australia's first proper movie. I don't think we've had one yet. Not a real general public successful entertaining movie. He wasn't wrong. Here's a stat attack for you. Second biggest film of 1986 in the world. Just $20 million less than Top Gun and over $100 million more than the number three movie, which was Aliens. Uh, Most successful Australian film in history, taking the title from Mad Max 2. Considered responsible for launching a U.S. love affair with Australia. Turned Paul Hogan into the country's most famous face around the world. Debuted on Christmas Day, 1989 on UK TV on BBC One with an audience of 21.8 million. Remains the most watched film ever shown on the BBC (laughs) in the history of the channel. Yeah, it's still to date the fifth most watched film in UK history. It's just the rest were on ITV. Does anyone <laughs> just just for fun? Does anyone have a guess at the other movies that make up the uh, the other four, the four ahead of it, and the most watched movies on U- in UK history? ET. Ooh. No, one, two, three of them are Bond movies. Ah. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Live and Let Die in ninety is the most watched, uh, followed by Jaws, The Spy, Love Me, and Diamonds Are Forever. Right, uh, that's pretty much it. Um, the only thing is a little bit of controversy from uh, Australians themselves who do not like the fact that Crocodile Dundee has perpetuated this, like, it's a, a ocker image, which is kind of like an Aussie redneck, where he's sort of like, they don't like the fact that people still think of all Aussies being like Crocodile Dundee and that it's not a very cultured place. Um, uh, one critic describes it as uh, it permanently created an image of beer-swilling, happy-go-lucky folk barbecuing steak at the beach. I've never been to Australia. That sounds fucking great. <laughs> what are you What are you moaning about? How, 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 what is wrong with you, Australian man? I mean, have you ever been to a barbecue in the UK? You are welcome to the image of people standing <laughs> on a slab of concrete patio huddled under an awning to avoid the rain. Well, if you want that... We'll do a swap, yeah. Moaning, moaning. <laughs> uh, he married Linda Kozlowski after filming and she'd appear with him in all the Crocodile Dundee films and not a lot else apart from John Carpenter's The Village of the Damned and comedy movie Pass the Ammo alongside Tim Curry. And that completes <laughs> this week's obligatory Tim Curry reference. I, 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 just, I, I will say I saw him being interviewed about his relationship with her because obviously he was with his wife, his first wife, when he met Linda Kozlowski, left his first wife for her. And he said that, and and, and he uh, broke up with Linda Kozlowski about five, ten years ago. And he said that he's a very good husband for about twenty years, but then he stopped. <laughs> then he stops being a good husband. So make of that what you will. I mean, that's not bad. I, I, if I was, I'd take those odds. Twenty years. 
You, I, if you've got 20 years in you as a good husband, I'll take that. Because he married young. He married at 19 and he had three sons by the time he was 22. So he he he, wow. he got in a lot of life before um, he found this second career as an actor. Yeah, he's how old is he in this movie? He's 46. 46 in Crocodile Dundee. I thought he was older, I'll be oh honest. That's, he looks that's... very, very... He looks... Yeah, hard times. He doesn't look 546 to me. <laughs> it's it's sun damage. Yeah. I mean, it's all very well going, oh, happy-go-lucky, beach-living folk. I disagree. I think it's because he's made of leather. <laughs> Are you suggesting that, that that waistcoat he wears isn't actually a waistcoat at all? It's sort of a flap of skin. He's <laughs> made, an extra he's, flap of skin. He's made of wire and leather, that man. <laughs> <laughs> oh right then uh we first meet sue uh what 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 a penthouse apartment she has looking over sydney harbour uh it's, there's a sydney opera house in the background uh this is like the most expensive property uh, at which point you're like wow she is a reporter mm. how does she afford that uh, and it's very clever because the movie is is seeding the fact that she's not really a reporter. <laughs> I mean, she has a she she works for her dad's paper, but we don't know that at the moment. So we're like, oh, bloody hell, she's got a great bloody good reporter, isn't she? Um, uh, how do you feel about that reveal later on, Victoria? Do you want to wait until we get to it? Because it's it really it basically what it does is is take a character that has been shown to be professional, successful, yeah. <laughs> independent, yeah. and rip all that from under her in one unnecessary relationship. Yeah, I, it, I'd forgotten about it, and I felt the same as you. I saw the apartment, and then also when she gets back to New York, she's in a limo, and then Crocodile Dundee's hotel is amazing, and you're like, whoa, pr- the heady days of print journalism. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen anymore. And then it's like, oh, no, it's just your dad paid for it. Um, okay. <laughs> It's a bit of a shame. I don't know. It didn't bother me that much, but I, it's it's a bit of a shame. She works for her dad. I think her boyfriend is the editor of the... The editor. He's the editor. Yeah. And she sleeps with her subject that she's going to interview. <laughs> yeah. I think she, she sort of undermines this independent, powerful woman at every turn, really. I think this film does. Oh, it does. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to it. There's a bit where, she, you know, she has a strop with uh, Mick. And she's like, I'm going to go off for a walk by myself. And because I'd forgotten her, I haven't seen this film for 30 years, although I have seen it like dozens of times. But I thought she had this subplot where she's like, I might live in New York, but actually I used to climb mountains and do this and do whatever. And she could like make this work, but she just can't. Like, she just <laughs> that, has to be rescued be, almost immediately. That'd be good. That would, that would be good. <laughs> that's, that's a really good idea. If there were, if she was actually quite good, yeah. it, she's not. She, I, We find that out very quickly. Um, but she's not really very good at reporting. I mean, so she, she goes off to the Northern Territory and and because it's the outback, for some reason she just dresses up like a, a World War One flying ace, uh, I, I, <laughs> like the ones that used to fly those biplanes. Like she yeah. she literally goes, she goes, I'm going to go take down the Red Baron. Where's where's my scarf and my leather gloves? Uh, get me in my biplane. Uh, yeah. um, I mean, it's just. I, you know, the outback is, She's. I've heard it's backwards. Yeah, you're not actually time traveling. Um, <laughs> so she arrives at Walkabout Creek and we meet Wally. Now, do not be fooled by Wally's doddery old man act. Uh, Wally is a snake and a liar. <laughs> uh, he, he's, he's all like, oh, charming. Oh, it's lovely. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's the one who brought her up here with the fake story about the crocodile attack. So he's a snake, a liar, and a time waster. Um, but, <laughs> but Sue cannot see that. 
because of all the eyeliner she's wearing in the outback. She can't see. <laughs> she can't see the truth right in front of her. Uh, oh, did you like Wally? I mean, he's a he's a, a fraud. He is a fraudulent man. <laughs> I did like him. Yeah. I think just because I was, I felt a lot of affection towards him when I was nine, and sort of carried that over. And you can't be mad, uh, mad at a man who wears knee high socks and shorts, can you? Mm-hmm. I, he gets to the bar, and the waitress in the bar even calls him out. She says in front of Sue, "It's like, oh, that story, that lie that Wally <laughs> keeps telling." And Sue goes, <laughs> "It's like she's just told you that there's this this biting of the leg." This is a lie. And Sue, oblivious. Uh, then Mick comes in at knife first, uh, <laughs> which is what we learn about Mick. Uh, Mick approaches every situation knife first. Uh, he comes into the bar pretending he's wrestling a dead crocodile. This is literally the funniest thing anyone has seen in this bar ever. <laughs> it is. It's fucking hilarious. People are falling about themselves. Uh, This is also one of the rare cases in the film where an animal starts off the scene dead. Uh, Most animals in this film start the scene alive, and then by the end of the scene involving Mick, they are dead. But this one starts dead, so it's all right. Uh, Mick, wrestling the croc, works on Sue. Uh, She... (laughs) She, she likey. Uh, he's 50. She's 30. What age gap? 20 years, many years. She's into him. Uh, so much so that she forgives him for having both legs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool. Yeah, I only flew across the continent because you said you'd lost a leg in a crocodile attack. At this point... She she apparently sees no problem editorially for the paper that the story has changed from a man losing his leg and crawling to safety to a man getting a nasty scratch and walking to safety. She's like, cool, <laughs> there's still a story here. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is what New York is gagging for. This is what they need. I can see the headline that man n- not savaged by crocodile. <laughs> Pull it to here I come. Uh, <laughs> But genuinely, this scene, this scene is like this is like robots romance. This is a mechanical scene. I don't mind it. It just loads up fucking everything. It's like big entrance from the male love interest, the lingering look, the asking her to dance, the punching out the mouthy guy, the kissing his mate on the mouth. Mick is a lover, a fighter, a romantic. Girls want him, guys want to be him. It's like they put it all in one single scene. So we're like, right, I get it. We like this guy despite the fact he is an illegal crocodile poacher who skins them to sell. That is that is totally glossed over in this movie. I spent the first half trying to work out if he actually was a, a, a crocodile poacher or it was like, like it was just going to turn around. He's like, actually, I'll save the crocodiles from the poachers, which is what it would be now and what yeah. it kind of should have been then, but it's not. He's like, he genuinely, illegally, it's a crime anyway. Forget the ethics. It is a crime. He illegally kills and skins crocodiles and sells their skins to make a living. That is a romantic lead on the male side Does of this he, film. Because later, What's the, the fucking fuck? But we, he saves the kangaroos from the poachers. So, yeah. Is he a poacher oh, then? He, sorry, don't get me wrong. Mick loves a mammal. He's fine with mammals, but you put a reptile. I'll go through it, Chris. I will prove this point. Fine. We will go through each each reptile that appears on screen dead. Normally, within five seconds, he does not fuck around. Like, <laughs> and often, often, as we're just about to find out, 
he can be effusing about the wonder of nature and then halfway through that speech, murder an animal. He's a fucking law unto himself. Well, we'll get to it. Um, in 2001, uh, an interview for Crocodile Dundee in LA, which I will never watch. Paul Hogan said about the crocodile killing. Yeah, he's not a crocodile killer anymore. In interview um, in a in a Crocodile Dundee in LA, uh, he used to kill crocodiles for the skin, but the responsibility of having a child has made him a bit more politically correct. Not his, not his own choice. Just because he had a kid, he stops murdering reptiles. Uh, <laughs> that's. That's uh, that's old fun-loving Mick Dundee. Right, uh, we get to see how Mick is the best bushman, uh, uh, setting up loads of little bits uh, that we'll see used later in the film for no reason. Uh, he he puts a buffalo to sleep. <laughs> yeah, but it's ridiculous because the buffalo is in the way and he's like, I'll sort this out. And so he goes up to it and he's like, easy girl or whatever he does. But then it sits down. So it's like, how's that solved the problem? Before it, <laughs> it was stood up and in the way. Now it's sat down and in the way. But the problem still exists, doesn't it, Mick? Yeah, but he's, he's proved he can make things sit, sit down. down. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm just again. I'm just pleased an animal makes it out alive. But at this point, I did. I didn't know he loves mammals. I used to try so... and subdue my brother like that, but it didn't work. <laughs> I did. I did. I'd say stand there and I'd make that noise and do that thing with my hands, but it never worked. <laughs> I was an idiot. <laughs> did, you do, did you do this in public? Could other people no. see you doing this? No, no right. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, just uh, just for uh, for point of reference, uh, <laughs> this is how they actually got the buffalo to do that because buffalo the, that wasn't a trained buffalo. Uh, how 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 is this for Australian? A vet was called to set called Kel Small and was told they wanted the buffalo to lay down. Uh, Kel Small says, before I injected him with the muscle relaxant, the director asked me what was going to happen. I replied that I'd not tried this before and I wasn't sure, but we'd soon find out. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> if that's not enough, uh, Kel was paid a carton of Fosters for his services. I no, kid he you wasn't. not. Oh my God. What? That is... not. The man's been ripped off. Ridiculous. <laughs> That's all I could concentrate on in the bar scene. It's just like, oh, Fosters, that's the worst. Yuck. Yeah, I wish I, Castlemaine Forex had disappeared by the time I was uh, old enough to, to illegally get into bars and pubs. Uh, do you remember Castlemaine Forex? I do. That yeah, was the one, I do. That was the one that had that great advert. Oh, I see the pub from here. That was a great advert because I, I can yeah. still remember it. <laughs> hmm? yeah. The guy fall. The guy, the outback guy, falls down the ravine but lands in a tree. And yeah, anyway, uh, Sue and Mick. Uh, <laughs> Wandering around the outback was filmed in for the Northern Territory of Australia, Kakadu National Park, uh, Northwest Territory. Um, And uh, in 2018, one of Australia's top advertising executives, only a couple of years ago, called it still the best advert for Australian tourism in the country's history. This movie, like, basically, I kind of agree. Like, when I first saw it, I think I thought, I think I thought the Australian Outback, uh, it was like the surface of Mars, mm. and it's not. like You forget that the, the nearer parts to the equator, the north of Australia, it is beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I've been to Kakadu, actually. I didn't realise it was shot there, and obviously mm. it is stunning. But yeah, I think, you know, it wasn't normal in the, you know, before the 80s to go to Australia on holiday. You know, that wasn't something that people did because it was so far away. So yeah, you're, you're right. It definitely makes, 
it's the first big movie to make the most of that incredible landscape. And it looks so beautiful and so exotic. That is definitely a part of the film's success, this this first half of the movie where you're seeing such an alien, um, stunning uh, country. I think it's great. Uh, I think uh, I think she's very tolerant of Mick in this first hour because he sort of goes from being quite a charmer in the bar to being thoroughly pissed off with her existence uh, mm. on this tour, uh, which is kind of weird. I mean, I, I get it. It's sort of like, you know, you shouldn't be out here. In fact, he says as much. It's how I introduced Victoria onto this week's episode. About an hour, uh, he goes about an hour to the river, but you being a Sheila, it'll probably take two. She's so tolerant. She just goes, oh, I'll just do my best. It's like, fucking... <laughs> what is the guy's calling you out? But you're He's forgetting your shit. You're forgetting, Alex. She's a woman and a reporter, which makes her the biggest busybody in the world. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. he says that to her, she just goes, oh, I know. <laughs> she <laughs> She's like, God, oh, I fancy you so much. <laughs> it's funny because in, um, in that's, that's, uh, that's an edit for the, the US version, uh, Busybody. In the uh, the original Australian version, it goes... Uh, they call her a uh, cunt. <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) You're a woman and a reporter, which actually makes you the biggest cut in the world. That's enough. (laughs) Enough with that word. Enough. (laughs) The family show. What was the the actual word used? The actual word was uh, it's a, a, an Australian word for uh, busybody, sticky beak. Mm. You're actually uh, you're being a woman and a reporter. You're actually uh, the biggest sticky beak in the world. Yeah, because the version um, that's that's on TV here, the, the one that I watch, is 98 minutes long, but the Australian is 104 minutes. So, do you know what's in those yeah. extra six minutes, Alex? Because I I thought that would be your job, not mine. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I'm happy to oblige. Uh, yeah, well, there's a lot more character building in the Aussie version, but a lot of the uh, character building uh, early on in the film is done using Australian dialogue, words, slang, jokes uh, uh, that are specific entirely to Australia. Yeah, so uh, I guess they... I, I totally get why they did that with America, but because of us growing up watching all these Australian soaps, mm. I was pretty... I was pretty shocked that the version that was on TV in the UK is this international version rather than the Aussie one. Yeah, and there's that weird, there's that weird dub um, uh, later on in New York where the pimp clearly goes, "Are you gonna fuck?" Yeah, uh, not Australian. He's American, and it says he screw. Yeah, and that's an edit that we'll never be able to like because we even now, if you buy it here. It is the US version we are being given here, and it's only the original Australian version that has fuck in it. <laughs> yep. Um, it's really strange, actually. Uh, on If you go on YouTube, you can watch the very start of this movie, the opening titles of the uh, US version next to the Aussie version, and the comparison, it's like they've just made really strange editorial decisions on the US version, in terms of even where the title of the film comes up, on the Australian version, the title of the film hits on this big sort of swish of music, and you're like, that's where it should hit. They've just moved it. On the US version, it just sort of randomly appears, like regardless of the score. It's just like, Bleh, there it is. And also, I love the fact they put inverted commas around crocodile on the US version. Yes. Just because, like, it's like, it's like he's, not, 
He's not actually a crocodile, or there's no. It's he's just a man called Crocodile Dundee. No, it's, no this, basically, this is an alligator. This is not a, a, a monster movie. Come and see this <laughs> well, movie. Well, I saw I saw a very early screening of Wolf Creek, and I knew nothing about it, and I was kind of scratching my head at the end, waiting for the wolves to show up. So I could see <laughs> I could see how that could happen. <laughs> you are also a man who tried to make his brother fall asleep after watching this movie. So dubious, uh, dubious advice. Um, uh, we get Crocodile Dundee does a, 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 a proper good ripoff of the Quint Indianapolis speech in this movie. When <laughs> he's explaining how a croc kills, he goes, see, a croc will grab you, take you down under the water and roll you over and over till you stop kicking. Then he'll take you away to his meat safe somewhere, a rock, a ledge, a log down there under the water, and jam you under it, tenderize you, make you good eating. I'm like, wow, totally at odds with the rest of the film, but a great Quint ripoff speech. Well done. <laughs> it is good, and it did. It scared me. when I think of this as a family film, um, mm. so, which is why I was allowed to watch it on repeat. But that was that was a good scare for like a nine-year-old because it's something I didn't know. I just thought they bit you and you bled to death, and it's really terrifying and really dark. So I think it's a good speech. Mm. Yeah, it even ends with the like, he goes, anyway, he wasn't happy with the grip he had on me, so he let go to get a better one, and I talked him out of it, <laughs> which is it's pretty much like, I'll never put on a life jacket again. I'm like, oh, it's the same speech. Anyway, <laughs> um, we find out that uh, Sue uh, has an ex. Um, and, <laughs> this uh, is so weird. It's so what, weird. The way... Can you, can you explain? I don't understand what the, what, the, what the essence of what is trying to be said here in this. I'll just tell, just in case people can't remember the scene, I'll read out what's said. And you explain to me what, is tr- what the scene is trying to tell us. Sure. So she was married to the original rebel. <laughs> you name it. He marched. Mm-hmm. Uh, he marched for anti-nuke, women's lib, save <laughs> the whales. He's probably marching right now for the gay Nazis or something. Yeah. To which Mick goes, sounds like a prize rat bag. Yep. Well, I don't <laughs> understand what is happening. What, it's so what? weird. I've watched the scene a couple of times. I was like, "What? Well, this is the scene where she's like, oh, I've got a past as well. So, And that's great. And what we'll do with the scene is we'll use your past, Sue, to contrast so vividly with Crocodile Dundee to show the journey you're going to make in order to fall in love with him. So Crocodile Dundee is meant to be untouched by the by the whole world, but especially by the political world, because out here, who would care? You know, all of that. So the what they've done is go, oh, okay, well, let's make her ex-husband something to do with politics. What can we do? What can we do? What can we do? Oh, it could be a protester. <laughs> and you think, oh, well, there's something else staring you in the face there, I think, if I'm being honest. And then all the things that he's marching for, they're great things. And then she's like, oh, he's probably marching for gay Nazis. He's like, where did, what? Mm, that comes right. out of nowhere. Yeah, that's very <laughs> so, odd choice. So when, when Mick when Mick goes, uh, oh, it sounds like a prize rat bag, is he replying to the fact that he marched for Save the Whales and Women's Lib and he's like, that sounds like a waste of time. What a rat bag. He should have been spending it with a Sheila. Yeah. Or is he sort of, is he reacting to her lie? Is he, does he hear her go, he marches for, he's probably marching for the gay Nazis now. And he goes, sounds like a prize rat bag. In which case, Mick is right, but he's reacting to a lie she's just made <laughs> up. In which case, she should be fucking lying. Yeah, I think she's saying he was like a bit of a rent, you know, you could rent his morality. He had no moral centre. So he could, he would, you know, if you'll stand for, what is it? Help me out. 
If you don't stand for anything, you'll fall. F- don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. That. That's it. Sorry. Um, so he's got no solid moral footing. And that's the opposite to Crocodile Dundee because he's got quite a binary moral outlook. There you go. That's what the scene's doing. Yeah. It doesn't do it very well, though. No. Very confusing. <laughs> oh, <yeah. No. laughs> okay, good. Uh, Mick uh, then starts diffusing about nature and the way the Aborigines view the land, and it's kind of beautiful, actually. He says Aborigines, like all God's creatures, just want the right to roam across the earth and be left in peace. And as he's saying this, he breaks a snake's neck. <laughs> so... So it's just a, another very confusing message from I mean, this film. Yeah, but there is you can fetishize nature as well because you have to survive in nature, and he has to survive in nature. I would say open camping in that is a is a bad idea because then mm. you don't have to break a snake in half because you'd be in a tent and it would be fine, mm. and then the snake can be left in peace and you can be left in peace. But yeah. you can't over romanticize nature in that setting because if you do it will kill you so there's a midway point which i think he's meant to represent right uh put it in a box or a bag maybe (laughs) but it will come back and get you (laughs) no yeah but if you put it in a box till morning and then release it as you're leaving i don't think a snake is going to trail you i don't think it's looking at I, don't yeah. think it, I mean, it, it's not in the <laughs> film. Going, oi, it, oi, you fucker. <laughs> I, I spent the night in a box and I'm not fucking happy about it. So where, wherever yeah. you go, I will find you <laughs> yeah. and I will kill you. <laughs> yeah, that's that what they do. That would have to potentially, because the second half of this movie uh, lacks, uh, what does it lack? Oh, a- any drama of any kind. So <laughs> it would have benefited from a snake stalking Mick secretly around New York. Uh, <laughs> I agree. I, I'd have... I think there would have been what what was the word jeopardy of any kind. <laughs> um, so we're getting to New York uh, right after this break. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This week at Sukarnov. On Clash of the Titles, things got a little awkward when Alex, Vicky and Chris discussed the Incredible Hulk going to the hairdressers. Have you never had a haircut? Hang on, that is not what I asked for. I can't remember what it's like to go to the hairdressers. <laughs> oh, God, sorry, sorry. That's triggering, sorry. That's on me. Bad move, yeah, bad move. Yeah, that is on you. Yeah. Absolutely, I didn't, I forgot... I forgot. Because we haven't seen you for such a yeah. long time. We forgot you've got no <laughs> hair. I'm still poor. So. Yeah, it hasn't grown back <laughs> magically since okay. we last spoke. <laughs> and over on Football Ramble Presents, the On the Continent team have been keeping you across all the European knockouts, as well as a possible title race in League Earn as well. Icardi can be so frustrating because he can be just one of the most impressive finishers. But, you know, when he's not quite on it, he's kind of like the David Blaine of football. Like, he spends a lot of time in a box not doing anything. <laughs> Find Clash of the Titles and Football Ramble Presents on your favourite podcast player and listen now. All that and a whole lot more at Sukarnov. Uh, so, yeah, the, pretty much... Uh, the whole Outback thing, um, some dickheads from the city kill a kangaroo, uh, it, it, but that scene is played for laughs uh, because the kangaroo's dead, but then Mick uses the corpse of the recently dead kangaroo to hold a gun and scare the dickheads off uh, while a feel-good score plays. Confusing. Uh, it's still a dead kangaroo. Um, yeah. Uh, Mix uh, now decided that the Outback is man's country and Sue wouldn't survive two minutes on her own without him. Uh, so he forces pretty much Sue to go and prove herself by hiking to the next location alone. Uh, don't worry, Mick is not a total monster. He wouldn't let her go off alone. Uh, he's going to silently stalk her uh, and then hide in the bush while she starts to undress to fill her water bottle. I don't know. I don't know why she wanted to undress before she filled it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's a film uh, in the eighties with a, a female character in it. So uh, yeah, she's basically she. I, I did, she's like, oh, this skirt is a bit tight to bend down in. This loose skirt is constricting <laughs> me as I fill this water. And bottle. I think she's wearing quite uh, an impractical swimming costume as well because you think i would imagine <laughs> that you would want to cover as much of your bush when you're in the bush <laughs> yeah i agree with you <laughs> i mean i can't believe she was wearing a skirt i'd be there in like iron boots like you can't <laughs> there's just no way <laughs> well yeah i mean you'd 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 have had you'd have napalmed all the wildlife before you even set foot in the uh, in because the, uh, they are vindictive yeah. and if you don't <laughs> they will come back and yeah. get you yeah i'm not everyone uh, i'm not fetishizing nature i'm bombing it uh, <laughs> so. yeah i'm cutting out the middleman on all that bollocks and let's just clear 
clear the area before I arrive because <laughs> I would like to go camping, but without a tent for some reason. Let's uh, let's take a look at uh, oh, what happens now. Yeah, the crocodile, uh, the crocodile, the crocodile. It uh, grabs her water bottle. Mick cannot believe his luck. He's like fucking brilliant. Let me stab it in the head as quickly as possible. Cut the straps. The water bottle first. Maybe cut those straps, let it have the water bottle and let it go about its business. I'll just stab it in the head. Fine, stab it in the head. Go and get that crocodile. Come on, follow me back to New York with the snake in the second half. Uh, <laughs> fucking just like, it's just like, he's on it in a second. Stab, 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 stab. Something else to murder. Um, uh, that mechanical crocodile. Paul Hogan wanted to use a real crocodile for that scene, apparently. So the story goes and was told it would be too dangerous. Uh, so they had to have that mechanical one built. A cost of $45,000. Uh, then uh, we meet uh, Neville, the Aborigine, uh, real name David Gulpill, uh, who choreographed that traditional Aboriginal dance that's in the movie and is one of the most famous and acclaimed tribal dancers of all time in Australia. Uh, which explains why he's not one of the most famous and acclaimed actors of all time in Australia. Uh, then Sue and Mick get to Echo Lake. Um, and this is where it sort of goes off a cliff. Uh, he kills a fish, which he doesn't eat. Uh, he literally spears a fish just to show her that he can spear a fish because he's a man. He spears <laughs> it, chucks it out of the way. Uh, then he kills a guana, <laughs> that massive lizard, for yeah. a joke. He kills it for a joke. <laughs> he he kills it, cooks it, puts it on a spit, and then goes, that's lunch. And she goes, is it? He goes, nah, not really. And that's the joke. And it's dead. Fucking fucking brilliant. Uh, so uh, New York, uh, you'll be pleased that I don't have many notes. Uh, New, we're in New York. Um, <laughs> any 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 drama, it was clearly created by the wildlife cast of this movie um, because uh, Mick struggles with escal escalators. Uh, Mick struggles with lifts. <laughs> Mick says hello to people on the street because he thinks they're friendly. They're not. But then they are weirdly friendly. So it's like, that doesn't work either. He's like, oh, yeah, all these people must want to live together. A lot of very friendly place. And the, the next joke is him talking to a random stranger who doesn't go fuck off, uh, <laughs> like actually engages him in conversation. So it doesn't, that doesn't work. Uh, uh, it's kind of all fine. I mean, it's all fine. It's all fine. The second half It's kind of Paul Hogan is a very charismatic actor. And so he somehow makes this complete like black hole of drama and jeopardy work. Um, like, there's one excellent joke in this entire second half, which is when he turns on the TV and he hasn't seen the TV for years. He goes, I saw one of those years ago, turns it on and it's a rerun of I Love Lucy. And he goes, yep, that's what I saw. It's like <laughs> fucking great gag. Yeah. Where are the rest of those in this movie? It's interesting to see how many films, even films that we've covered though, have nicked jokes from this film. So you mentioned I Love Lucy, which he's watching in Pretty Woman, but there's the confusion over tipping which carries over into yeah. Pretty Woman. The confusion with the escalator, we saw that used in Elf. So I think it did set the template for a lot of the modern, um, I mean, fish out of water isn't a new story, is it? So, but yeah, I just saw, I saw jokes that I've seen um, used elsewhere, used for the first time here. Yeah. Again, I feel jokes is too giving. Um, I, yeah. Do you know what? I didn't mind it. I actually, I really didn't mind it. I just, I, I just wish, like, we'll get onto it. But like Mick, basically, he just wins every situation he's in, just mm. way too quickly. He does. Like, he wins. He he beats Knife Guy in seconds. He subdues Mister Burns's hounds in seconds. He like beats up the pimp twice 
in seconds after like being roughed up ever so slightly. There's no like, and, and, and there's no jeopardy with the romance either. I think there are moments where it does surprise you or sort of undermine your preconceptions about what's going to happen though. Like for example, when he's, when he's standing on the traffic light and the policeman comes over to him and he's got his big knife, you're thinking he's going to get arrested here. But the next moment the policeman's giving him a ride home on his horse. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree with you. You're using his, his charm. Um, his charm is the film sort of get out of jail card, isn't it? Whatever situation is he's in, his charms going to get him out of it. If he, from, you know, uh, potentially getting knife to stealing to, to ruining someone's very large cocaine um mountain yeah i don't think his charm gets him out of when he sexually assaults a trans woman though i'll be honest about my feelings there that, that is it not does, it good. does though doesn't it because isn't everyone laughing and film, cheering yeah, yeah that's what every, i'm, I'm talking film, about in the film laughing. i'm not talking about us our reactions in but life. in the film everyone's laughing and cheering then I hate that moment, and I hate that it happens twice. And I, mm. but I, but from a story point of view, I don't understand why Sue is attracted to a man who would do that. Like she, what I'd forgotten about this film is that she's quite inserted into like New York's, uh, not high society, well high society because of her dad, but like the sort of more counterculture, alternative like knockoff kind of like factory Andy Warhol scene where she's at these like risque parties where someone will openly do drugs and there's like a good selection of fun people there. And I'd forgotten that part of her character. If that's part of her character, why does she want to be with a man who can't cope with the idea of a more fluid sexuality? He will literally grab someone's genitals to check in inverted commas who they are. Like what, what is attractive to her about that? Well, I mean... You know, she's clearly come from old money, so she might be at these parties, but she might not uh, mentally and um, politically be engaged with that counterculture movement. Dad is old money. He's old print press money. So she's been brought up clearly yeah. in a very sheltered uh, world. And just because she has access to those parties doesn't mean that she's in any way sort of pro kind of more it. liberal thinking. Yeah, that's true. I think as well, tr- the film is of its time and it's trying to say Mick Dundee is a breath of fresh air and he's cutting through all salt the crap. Of the, and- salt of the earth, working class man, which is the humour that the Paul Hogan sketch show used. And they've just transferred it over here. There's, a, there, I guess it, there's a certain type of person that finds that funny. Well, the whole world did it this time, but we've obviously moved on quite a bit from here. Yeah, and that's the thing, because, you know, it's buttoned by, he goes to the high society party when he goes to uh, Sue's dad's house, and she's like, oh, so-and-so was on medication and, you know, was seen a psychiatrist, and he's like, what do you need that for? You know, I tell Wally my problems, and then I haven't got a problem. And he's supposed to be cutting through the fuss and the um, the sort of hyper-individualization that New York society in that time was victim, quote marks, to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly yeah. there's a there's a lot here that hasn't dated particularly well once he gets to New York. The thing is though, when I was nine, I could watch That's Not a Knife, This Is a Knife on repeat, killing myself laughing. <laughs> and I, this time I was like, that's one of the funniest things I still, I've ever seen. Funny. And I still think it's funny. And I'd forgotten about it. He's like, oh, it's just kids messing about. I was rolling around. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can find it somewhere, but there needs to be a study done of that scene and exactly how, what, maybe it's something to do with the uh, the iteration, but um, but um, it's just like th- th- those two phrases together, that's not a knife. 
this is a knife. I, it's comic gold. It's, it and is. it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. <laughs> if there's something, there's some, there's a black magic going on there. There's some dark magic. <laughs> Very strange. Shouldn't be as funny as it is. Um, yeah, I'd never seen the cocaine scene at the party before because it wasn't on the. It's only 2002 where they uh, put it back into oh, rentals. That's amazing. Thank you for mm. telling me that, Alex, because I I pissed myself in that scene and I thought I hadn't seen it before. It was yeah, well, you found yeah. it funny now. Yeah, I did. I did, and it was the only <laughs> really? time I was surprised in the film. Yeah, just the way I he didn't pours it all it. in that bowl. I, I, think, I didn't think it was funny. Oh, it's him, not funny. Him pouring it in that bowl is very funny. <laughs> it's not. <Yeah. laughs> Uh, yeah they removed uh, they removed that um, uh, to get a 15 certificate Uh, in the UK that took it up to an 18 Uh, that and Sue referring to the drug as a buzz during the party scene Uh, anything pro drugs uh, was taken out Um, so in this in the second half uh, Richard on the phone at the start of this movie seems like a nice guy Uh, Richard (laughs) Richard, unfortunately, cannot remain a nice guy. So for inexplicable reasons, uh, the suggestion is that he's had a drink at one point, but throughout it, he becomes an absolute twat uh, (laughs) in in the later scenes of this movie for no reason uh, other than it makes it very easy for Sue to leave him. Uh, So uh, here's my problem. Surely, surely, bar a snake following Mick round New York, a more dramatic <laughs> idea here would be if her boyfriend wasn't a guy who strokes her face and doesn't wait for her to answer when he's proposing, but is actually kind of decent and it's a bit more like, oh, is she going to go for the nice, but like, you know, nice New Yorker guy or the salt of the earth guy, as opposed to a man who just like goes, will you marry me? There's the ring. Moving on. I mean, she's caught between a rock and a hard place, really, because Richard is a dick for no reason. But Crocodile Dundee, all he ever does is punch his way out of trouble, which you would think would get boring after a while. So he he punches someone in the bar in Australia, just he's so hard, punches him clean out. When Richard's getting on his nerves, it's such a weird moment in the film because you can't quite see it. But he's like, oh, look over there punches him <laughs> so what's she to do like he doesn't neither of them are presenting in, in a classic sort of i know it's not a rom-com but it's got a little bit of a rom-com element just like a very uh extended meet cute like who is she supposed to be drawn to why are they so different like one one of them's a bit of a dick and one of them is just hard to pin down if he's unre what is it unreconstructed or just ill-mannered or what i feel like what they're telling us is that she when she when when he saved her life a couple of times and then he she saw him at one with nature that was it all bets were off she's yeah. she's now fallen in love with this guy hey, well here's, here's another way then to um to to add a bit of drama uh, have her father uh like her father basically goes richard's great really happy about richard brilliant richard <laughs> yeah. and you that's a good thing and then uh, and then she basically then the next time you see him he's dropping her off at the hotel and going you go get that mick mix the guy <laughs> for you yeah. whatever you say darling it's like have him be like i'm going to cut you out of the fortune yeah you can't work at the paper if you want to be with mick throw in a bit of jeopardy as opposed to this dad who goes richard you don't like richard mick great mick 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 fine 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 fine, fine. <laughs> he's just a supportive yeah, dad agree. alex this is a fucking movie though like it doesn't matter he can be like he needs you need someone to be the villain uh like or just anyway the tube scene at the end uh that is fun Uh, i've never i I remember at the time thinking this is really good uh entirely unrealistic obviously (laughs) i'm just gonna walk over you 
you know, no, you're fucking not. Uh, get <laughs> get off, get off my head. But it's a fantastical rom com end. Uh, lovely stuff. And I think the guys who were cast as the two men <laughs> passing the message back and forward is some of the most perfect casting I've ever I've seen in a movie. I've got that written down, Alex. I've, I wrote exactly that down. They're both brilliant, aren't they? So so good, <laughs> so good. Just right. Just like that. It's like it's yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think that bit that bit is great. Um. Uh. Uh, and then, then the film literally, like, if it goes from being a sort of movie uh, to an art house project, it's sort of just like Finn may as well just <laughs> appear on screen. You, you're like, well, that's it. They just they they hug and then Finn. Like, it's like we're going to give it a really sort of odd ending. You're yeah, because like, they didn't know they were going to gonna get. Yeah, they can't have known they were going to get a sequel. So why would you not? It, it's good to set up a sequel like that, but they didn't know that that was going to happen. It's only like a seven million dollar film. They must. I know we thought it was going to be massive, but there must have been someone being like, "But just in case we don't get a sequel, shall we put a little clue in there about what their life will be like? Like, are they going to go on this walkabout together, or live in New York, or go back to Australia? Like, it can't just end." Yeah, yeah, but but it but it does. Uh, that's what you have to accept. It does. Yeah. just end. Uh, but like you say, two sequels, Crocodile Dundee two in nineteen eighty eight. Um, which also did very well, not as well as this, but did well. Uh, I've seen it, and I recall enjoying it a lot more um, because I think there's a little more action in it, a little more fighting, which seems strange because like, Paul Hogan had a bit of a problem. When people saw this movie, this first movie, they saw, and you mentioned him punching his way out of situations. A lot of people compared him to sort of like Rambo and Chuck Norris, sort of, and he didn't like that. He's like, that's not mixed style. He's, you know, he's a, a nice guy, you know, one with nature, unless you're a reptile. So he had a bit of a problem with that. The sequel, I remember being kind of punchy all the way through. <laughs> uh, Crocodile Dundee in LA. Either of you seen it? Never bothered. No. I don't think so. No, no. even he's he's uh, embarrassed by that one. Uh, well, he's uh, he's outdone himself because uh, there's a film that came out uh, last year called The Very Excellent Mr. Dundee. Uh, it's a kind of meta film where he sort of has to tell people that he's not really Crocodile Dundee because he saw his life is so entwined with that character. Uh it has 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. I watched the trailer. I am going to watch it. Uh, I haven't seen I can't. I don't know if it's available in the UK, but it it looks so bad. It's brilliant. It might be something we even have to do on the podcast on one of my weeks. Uh, the very excellent Mr. Dundee. Listen to the cast. Uh, it's got Paul Hogan, Chevy Chase, John Cleese, and Olivia Newton-John in it. Come Ooh, on. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> Come on, is that not the weirdest cast uh, of people who you sort of go, have they all lost a lot of money at something? Uh, Do they really? (laughs) Uh, More interestingly, there was a fake trailer for a film called Dundee that came out in 2018 with Danny McBride playing his son, like Mick Dundee's son. (laughs) Uh, You Watch the trailers. Mm. They're so funny. And it's it kind of almost. I mean, I do love Danny McBride, so I, anything he touches, I think is funny. But it broke my heart to find out that they were revealed during the Super Bowl to be more Australian tourism ads, and it wasn't a real movie. Yeah, they've got Chris um, Hemsworth, haven't like, they? And I think Hugh Jackman plays yeah. the Prime Minister. They're they're brilliantly done. <laughs> Really good. Uh, so good that people are now campaigning for uh, them to be uh, turned into an actual movie. And before we get onto the bits. 
there was once uh, considered a Beverly Hills Cop Crocodile Dundee crossover. <laughs> Why did that not happen? <laughs> Why? What's wrong with you, Hollywood? After like the sequels to both those series, the third movie was going to be a crossover in the early nineties. So what would that have been? Would that have been Axel Foley in the in the Northern Territory? I think it was going to. I, I, I that would have been interesting. I think it was going to be Mick Dundee in in New York. I don't know. Actually, do you know what? I don't even think it got that far because Eddie Eddie Murphy was the one who went absolutely fucking not. <laughs> um, and then made Beverly Hills Cop three. So bad decision, right? Uh, the bitch, then. Uh, best scene. Chris. It's clearly because I hadn't seen it before, but I really found it funny when he asked the bloke, what's up, pal, got a blocked nose, and then ruined his cocaine. <laughs> pours, pours hot water in his cocaine and says, 10 minutes of that and you'll be clear as a bell. I found that really funny, but that maybe <laughs> is because I hadn't. it was the only joke I hadn't seen a hundred times before. That guy, that guy, I mean, that guy, that guy needs his cocaine pouring away though, because at, at that point he doesn't sort of go, "No, that's not how you take cocaine." I, 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 I know because yeah. I've done it before. He is a first timer who has too much cocaine there. He might have done himself a, a, a harm, so it's good that he because he puts a fucking towel over his head and goes, "Cheers, thank you. This must be this must be exactly how you take it." What's your best scene, Victoria? The subway scene, because. Um, I think because it, it's, it's a really clever multi-layered scene. So if you, um, it's great anyway, just because it's a nice sort of emotional lift. But if you're from New York and you've been watching this film, I think you need that because through the outs, the eyes of this outsider, your city is supposed to be alien and hostile. So you can say that the film is saying that Crocodile Dundee has had this effect on the people of New York, that they're open to the uh, the chain of communication and to be emotional. Or, but also maybe New Yorkers aren't as hostile as this film might be suggesting they are. So that's why it works on those two levels. And I think for that, it's really clever. Uh, I uh, I wrote Subway Scene and uh, I'll, I'll borrow your reason. That yes. reason. It, Subway I'll Scene. Agree as that well, reason. I'll agree as well because it made me really emotional. Did it, Was anyone else welling up watching it yeah. this time? Yeah. yeah. I I will admit to that. Yeah. yeah. A bit of it's magic really there. powerful. A bit of magic. Yeah. Weird. Weird, isn't it? I. <sighs> There is something going on with this movie because, like, I I stand by a lot of the reasons that I've outlined why it is not a good film. And the second half barely constitutes a film at all. But it's really good. It's, like, not (laughs) really good. It's, like, it gets you. Like, he is... He he's a, a leathery, wonderfully charming man who I I forgave for all this, like, snake killing. Right, uh, MVW, uh, Victoria... So it's not Paul Hogan because I think the trouble is when I was younger watching this, I just didn't, I was obviously far too young to think about him in any sort of romantic way. And I, and even though him and um, Linda, uh, what's her surname? Kozlowski. Kozlowski. They, they, even though they got together, that blows my head off because I just don't see this chemistry like at all. So it's not either of them. And this answer isn't meant to be facetious, but it, but it's it's good because we did touch on it. But it's the actual like walkabout creek or whatever that national park was called, because this is the first time I ever really noticed it. When I was watching it when I was younger, I was like, yeah, Australia, whatever. But this time, I was like, it looks amazing. Like it looks genuinely enticing, and I say that as someone who's terrified of all spiders and snakes, not great with buffalo, whatever that thing is. So it made me want to go there for the first time ever in a really like visceral way. I mean, it could be lockdown. I will go anywhere, but I really want to go to Walkabout Creek. 
Um, I'm just going to, I mean, I, I, uh, I'll just jump in here because I have the same answer as Victoria, but you don't mean Walkabout Creek, which no. is that dusty shithole of an outback <laughs> town. You, you mean, you, yeah. I mean, I know there was a bar there, V, but what you mean, <laughs> it's so fucking awful outside, I can justifiably stay in the bar the whole time. Um, <laughs> Kakadu, Kakadu National Park. That's it, that, yeah. That's well, I mean, but ca- if you can take drinks, yeah. If not, it is, <laughs> it's Walkabout Creek. So I did say that first time. So, yeah. yeah. You're not going to be bent down by a, a watering hole filling a water bottle. You've got, <laughs> well, there's yeah. no threat. It's no, just in like, half I'm... a swimming costume. No, I'm fucking not. <laughs> uh, Chris, what's your MVW? Uh, I'm going to say a guy called John Cornell, who sort of learning more and more about hoags. Um, this guy was probably the most important person in his life. He he produced and co-wrote Crocodile Dundee. He was his co-star on TV. He was very much his partner in crime. And he's the unsung hero of this story. You know, it was just as much his his story as Paul Hogan's. He was the one that went to the studios in the States and played hardball because he knew what they had and they ended up making a lot of money off the back of it. And so, yeah, I, you know, it was good. Paul Hogan's the face of this story, but John Cornell was the guy behind the scenes. So I think we should celebrate him as well. We should. And indeed, both of them uh, were uh, um, uh, accused of uh, tax fraud in Australia. So they've, they've got that together as well for siphoning off a lot of millions and putting in offshore accounts. Allegedly, they were let off in the end. Uh, not let off. That's <laughs> the same off. as being... <laughs> let me just get my wording right. Let me get my legal wording right. Uh, they were all dropped. No one had to admit fault. So it was all dropped. Allegedly, everything I just said, allegedly. Uh, right then. <laughs> Um, I, I think we're covered. Uh, <laughs> Chris, what would you change? Um, well, we sort of touched on this. No one changes during Crocodile Dundee, which makes for a lack of, of drama. Maybe have Mick learn something over the course of the film. Although, <laughs> again, maybe the point is he doesn't change, and that's what we like about him. But as you say, Alex, that lack of jeopardy is a bit of a problem in the second half of the film. I think they need to even their relationship up. So Mick saves her in the outback. I think she should do something to save him in the big city, but we never really get... He's mm. he's continuing to rescue her in the big city. So I think that's the switch mm, they need to make. Point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, Chris. Uh, Vicky, what's yours? Uh, quite straightforward. It needs a makeover scene. Uh, even if Hogs mm. Crocodile Dundee goes back to his attire, yep. he's crying out for one scene where he tries to look like a New Yorker. Writes itself, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I like that one. I actually like that one. I've covered mine already. Uh, and you, t- you said it as well, Chris. It just needs some drama in the second half. Dad needs to be the bad guy. Richard needs to be a nice guy. One of those two, one of the other men in her life trying to exert some influence over her through being nice or being evil, like uh, dad being evil. It, it, just a bit of drama. All right. That is Crocodile Dundee finished. Uh I think we've got time for a quiz, Chris. Sure, very simple one this week. It's the fish out of water quiz. I'll give you the fish out of water premise. You give me the fish out of water film. Ready? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. A spoiled heiress screws over a carpenter. When she gets amnesia, the carpenter gets his own back by making her think she's poor. Overboard, overboard, overboard. I'm saying overboard. Correct. Alex is correct. Is that- <laughs> Mentioned only recently on this very show. Number two. That movie. A wealthy but sheltered woman gets more than she bargained for when she signs up for the US Army on a whim. G. Joe. Oh, what is it called? Not G.I. Jane. No. It's not, no. No. Um, it's got a strong connection to the last film I just mentioned. 
we just did. I can't remember what it's called. Goldie Horn plays the lead, oh, but yeah, I don't. I think uh, he, oh, oh fuck's sake! I can see, I can see it. Yeah, she's like, saluting on the cover, wearing an oversized helmet. I'll give you the first word if you give me the you give me the second. So it's yeah, go on, go on. It's private. Benjamin. Uh, oh. Alex got it. Well done. Uh, by the way, they're not all Goldie Horn films, just the first two. Uh, okay, number three. An inexperienced New York lawyer takes on a case in rural Alabama. A time uh, to kill. The thing, the thing that I like. You do. I, a time to we kill. We all know. It's a, that's incorrect. It's a good film. It's, it's my film. It's a good it's film. It's a good film. <laughs> if this clue helps, it's... I saw it with my folks when we were in the States on holiday once in the cinema. Devil's Advocate. No. No. That's the other way around. It's a comedy. Oh. An, experience, an experienced New York lawyer. Oh, my cousin Vinny. Correct. Oh, wow. Okay. A magical Tibetan skull causes a father and son to swap bodies. Oh. Vice versa? Correct. Alex, you are absolutely <laughs> killing this. <laughs> I've never heard of that. It's Judge Reinhold. It's quite Fred, good. It's Fred Savage. That's it. Uh, okay. Uh, to protect a little boy, a Philadelphia policeman lives with the Amish community. Oh, the thing with Tim Robbins in the um, oh, witness. Good... Correct. It's yeah, witness. Like, it? The film without, without Tim Robbins in. It's that film. <laughs> it's that one. Five for five for Alex so far. Is it going to be a clean sweep? Um, you... Yeah, all right, Chris. <laughs> fucking back the fuck up a second. <laughs> Just, just, just get one right, please. Uh, a young maiden from a fairy tale land is sent to New York by an evil Enchanted. queen. Correct. <laughs> Fuck you. Lovely, charming, lovely. Uh, an overachieving big city cop is sent to a small town with a dark secret. Oh, um, a hot fuzz. Correct. Oh, uh, as if. <laughs> what do you mean, as if? That's the answer. There's no as if. <laughs> and last one, uh, after he's laid off, a husband switches roles with his wife, becoming a stay-at-home dad with hilarious results. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's more than one of them, It's an I old think. one. It's very old. Uh, Michael Keaton. Oh, uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. And the, oh, okay. yeah. the, the, uh, Alex wins 7-1, but I'll ask you the tiebreaker because I think it's a bit different this week. Uh, my question right. is, was going to be, is uh, what is special about the mangrove rivulus? Oh, it's the uh, fish don't live in water. They live on the yes, shore. Yes, it's a fish that can survive out of water. <laughs> well done, Vicky. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I almost, I feel embarrassed now that you actually got a, a, a question about the natural world and I got Mr. Mom. So <laughs> <laughs> speaks volumes. Uh, right then, uh, let's look ahead uh, very quickly. Uh, before we talk about Thursday, let's look ahead to next week's pairing. And I believe it is my choice. I hope so, because I have a clue. It is my choice, is it not? Yes, go for it, Alex. Good, good. Here is your clue for next week's films. I've uh, been doing... Uh, let me just get this. This is... Spectacular disaster movie action. <laughs> Bloody hell. That was really can good. You do, can you just do it one more time no. for posterity? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and fuck everyone, fuck off. Uh, here we go. Here we go. This is spectacular disaster movie action. <laughs> 
You have gone above and beyond there. You didn't have to do it. It's so good. Loathing, self-loathing. Right, before we get on to what those two movies clearly are, we're back on Thursday. We're talking Coming to America. That is going to be a lot of fun. Chris is guiding us through that. In the meantime, please subscribe to us. Rate and indeed review us if you have the time. It's a great help. And check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Speak to you Thursday. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.